open our Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 19 this morning. And it is Holiday Bible Club Week, and we're excited about that. And hope, church, that um, you recognize the, the importance of the week. And I want to read uh, scripture here for you and with you in Matthew chapter 19. And we'll just read verses 13 to 15. And we are uh, this, this, this month uh, thinking about being authentic in our passion. And what are we passionate about? And I think this scripture bears out for us Jesus' passion for children. And um, here in verse 13, it says, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. I think this is one of the most um, probably iconic, if you could say, stories about uh, the, the Lord Jesus. Probably in every story book that you've ever read, uh, a picture book, a, a Bible picture book with your children, this scene was probably either on the cover of that or somewhere in the pages of that. Uh, I think it's a pretty iconic kind of uh, picture of our Lord Jesus uh, to see him with children. And he wasn't your typical adult at times that was uh, intimidating. You know, the children wanted to come to Christ. And here we see a, a story where the Lord Jesus was, was really teaching his disciples about a certain perspective that they needed to have and certain passion that they needed to have for children. And I'm thankful that, um, that it's been my testimony that I was saved at a young age, at seven years old. And so I was a child, a little child, when I came to know the Lord as my Savior. But we see here that the, these children were brought to Christ, and yet there were the disciples who were trying to hinder that or forbid them to come to their Savior, to their Lord. And I don't know what the reason was. We don't, we don't really, the, the Bible doesn't elaborate. Maybe if we think about the situation there, maybe it was the end of the day and, and it seemed like the Lord was, was tired. He had a busy, busy day ministering, performing miracles perhaps. Uh, perhaps he had walked all day and he was weary. And perhaps the, the mindset of the disciples was just to simply protect or, or, or care for their Lord. We don't know the situation. Perhaps they just... They were the kind of adults who found children annoying. And children can sometimes, you know, get on, get, on your, uh, get on your nerves. And they can say some things and do some things that perhaps aren't appropriate. Perhaps sort of just, you know, uh, they, they say things that, uh, that might, uh, might sound a little bit funny. There's a, a couple of letters that, um, that were written from children to their pastor. Just a couple of these. And, and one said, Dear Pastor... Please say in your sermon, Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. P.S. I am Peter Peterson. <laughs> Another one says, are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class. Carla, age 10. I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. <laughs> Yours sincerely, Arnold, age 8. Another one says, I'm sorry I can't leave more money in the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Could you have a sermon about a raise in my allowance? 
Love Patty, age 10. Another one, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. <laughs> Stephen, age 8. <laughs> and here's the last one. I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved it to Disneyland. Laureen, <laughs> age 9. And I'd probably say amen to that, actually. But kids can, can be funny. Kids can, you know, they have a different perspective. They can be full of energy. They can not cooperate even though you want them to cooperate. And I know, I know from experience, not just as a parent and um, not just as a dad now, but I know being a child myself that there was times when I know under, I got under the skin of my parents. And yet it was at a, as a child that I came to know the Lord as my Savior. And, and perhaps there's a, many of you, that's your testimony. I know that that recently we've had many of our, of our, our children, uh, my own children, children of some of you who've recently called out to Christ for, for salvation. And that's a great thing, isn't it, church? And it's a wonderful thing to, uh, to minister to children. But you see, sometimes we can have the wrong perspective, though. And sometimes we forget the kind of passion that the Lord Jesus had. And, and I remember as a child growing up, you know, we, I grew up in, in church. As I said, I was saved at a young age, and over the course of that time, my parents were very patient with me to, to, to get me ready in the mornings to get, uh, get, uh, get me to church, and you would ask them, you know, uh, there were mornings where I just did not want to wake up, and you know, I, I, some of you adults are like, that's my testimony today, all right, but, uh, but that was, you know, I was just a, a, a typical boy who was hyperactive through the week and just didn't like to, to wake up early enough to get to church at times. And I know my parents were very patient to get me ready, get me changed, get me to church. There were many, many times where, where I knew that some of my Sunday school teachers just really un, were annoyed by me. I was the kind of kid that, you know, I like to outsmart adults. And so what I would do, I was a wide reader even as a young child. I would read about facts and I would ask that teacher or my, my parents, do you know about this? Like, I'm curious about it. And then they'll go, oh, no, not really. Well, let me tell you. And then I'd proceed to tell them what I had just read. That was the kind of kid I was, okay? And so you can imagine lots of people were very patient with me. And you're probably thinking, well, Pastor, actually, we're pretty patient with you right now. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Not, not many things have changed, all right? But, but here we have a situation where the, the disciples had a, a bit of a different perspective, I guess. Uh, to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus said, suffer little children. That, that word simply means allow. Allow them to come to me. And here the, the children uh, were, were brought to, to the Lord Jesus to, to get a blessing. And I think we have a, a very touching scene here where the Lord Jesus allowed and, and even corrected really the disciples in their perspective. And maybe it is this morning as you, you look around and, you know, we have a great privilege, don't we? to have lots of young children in our church. We have, we, have, uh, we have children, we have teenagers, we have a lot of youth in our church, and maybe uh, there, there's sometimes we can adopt a mentality that the disciples had that, boy, what's it all for? What's it all costing us here? Uh, why, why do we uh, proceed to do these kind of things uh, throughout the year? Why, why the emphasis on that? Well, can I just say to you, the Lord Jesus, when He looked at the perspective 
that the disciples had, he corrected it. In regard to children, in regard to working and, and ensuring that the children can come to him. And the, I think the disciples perhaps were being overly protective of their Lord. But in times when, when it comes to the faith, there are times where we are overlooking those that most need Christ. And often when we consider ministry, we focus much of our attention perhaps to even those that will benefit us. Those that can contribute both time and resources to the work. And yet we must not neglect these ones, these children who are there at this stage really can't contribute. Really, you know, they don't put the... And even though we, we, we're challenging them to, to give what they can really can't really keep the lights on for us. And we need to have a perspective that those things that, uh, that, that bring children to Christ are worth it. And, and that we can be at times uh, consumed with, with all the effort and energy it takes and we're thinking, is it worth it? But understand that from the very beginning, the battle has always been for the hearts and minds of the next generation. It always has been. Uh, if, you, if you consider the story at creation, uh, remember that God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. But then after the fall, as part of that dialogue there that God had with them about what was to come in Genesis 3.15, the Bible says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. That's, that's speaking about the generations to come that was to come from Adam and Eve, but there's going to be enmity and there's always been a war. The battle has always been between the enemy and those to follow what God intended, a godly lineage. And so Satan has always wanted to destroy and corrupt the godly seed from Adam and Eve. Now we know, we understand prophetically that's speaking about the Lord Jesus, right? The rest of that verse. But all intents and purposes in a practical sense is speaking about her seed to come Adam and Eve's seed those generations to come and it's always been that that for the for the godly line to continue there needed to be a reaching forth and a reaching to the next generation a reaching to the children and so it must be said today that, that Jesus then had a great passion for children he had a right perspective about them he invited them into his space. Here we're going to learn in this, uh, this, this really short story about Jesus. We're going to learn some lessons on Jesus' passion and Jesus' perspective of, of children and why it is we must bring the children to him. Why we must bring the children to him. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, to understand and, and to have your heart in this. And, and Father, I know, Lord God, that, that Lord, there's much to, to say really about the work of the gospel in, in reaching forth to those who are lost. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to neglect our duty to, to reach in at times with the children and the young people that you've given us. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, even as we head into this important week that you'd have, us, uh, you'd have us invested in in our hearts and in our minds uh, the way you would be, Lord. And I pray that you'd just do a work in, in the lives of our children and the lives of our families. And 
And Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we open your word this morning. Uh, Lord, for that to be, Lord, to, to be um, emphasized in our hearts by you, by your spirit. And I pray that you just do a work in us. I pray for your enabling. I pray for clarity of thought this, this morning, dear Lord. And I pray that you'd just be honored and blessed in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And, and we say, we see firstly, as we think about this, that it takes adults. It takes adults to bring children to Jesus. You know, we, sometimes we read this story, and if we're not careful, we can buy into the, the picture books and see the children by themselves with the Lord Jesus. But, but read the, the text with me again here in, in, in Matthew chapter 19. And, and there's, there's several places in Scripture where this story is mentioned, obviously in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But, but we're going to see here in Matthew so, uh, this story, Then were there brought unto him little children. There were those who brought these little children to Jesus. There were those hidden in the background, not specifically mentioned either by name or by description, that brought children to Him. And here we note that it's for the express purpose of, of Jesus then praying over and blessing these children. And so there were those in the background, and, and I would submit to you that those that were there that brought these little ones were in contrast to these little ones. These were adults who brought children to Jesus. The children were brought along to see Jesus by those who were their carers, those who were uh, responsible for them, those who had, uh, who had uh, the ability to, to perhaps even carry uh, perhaps even, even wake up and, and get ready and prepare some sort of meal so they can walk those, those kilometers over to Jesus. And, and what I'm saying is, you know, children need lots of help, don't they? Uh, if you've ever raised your children, you know, you just survive by the skin of your teeth. And you understand that the children, they take a lot of work. And, and let me just say, I thought I, was, I, was, I wasn't too bad and, you know, uh, you understand that my, my parents did all they can, but then when it was my turn to care for my own, boy, did I have a different perspective of my parents. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm so glad that there were those that, that God, in His design, had given children to, to help them. Children are vulnerable. They, they need to be cared for. They need to be taught and instructed in order to survive, in order to thrive, even flourish in their lives. They need nourishing. They can't fend for themselves. And it's only in extreme situations where, where they're forced to fend for themselves. But in, all, in a general sense, we understand that it takes adults to help children, right? And so in this same situation, we see that the burden to bring the children to Jesus Really, the onus was on the adults who were present in the background there. And we see here that this principle ringing true even within the context of the local church. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll turn to different parts of Scripture this, um, this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and here the Apostle Paul is addressing the church of Corinth. You understand that the church of Corinth had great issues. And, and they had already been dealt with in, in the first epistle here in the second epistle, other issues were arising as far as, uh, as, far as restoring that, that one who was in the wrong. 
But in, in all of this dialogue between the Apostle Paul and, and here written for us in the book of 2 Corinthians, he says this in verse 13, uh, for what, it is, what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches? So he, he's complimenting the church, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. So he's saying, I don't want to be a burden to you. He says, uh, forgive me this wrong. In verse 14, behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. He's saying, I'm here for you. And, and remember the Apostle Paul's view often of him coming to the churches was that he was like a father to his children. He, he was there trying to, to be a help, trying to be a, a... And he saw himself as somewhat of a spiritual, chill, a spiritual father in the gospel. All right, He had birthed them in Christ, so to speak. And so here he was, and he's saying this to them, I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want, to, I don't want you to feel like you have, to, you have to be the one that cares for me. And he follows this line of thinking, and he says, For I seek not yours, but you. Then he says this, For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And what he's saying was this, the, the, the burden of responsibility of care, even in a, in a church context, was that those who were adults, those who were parents, were the ones that, that, that carried the burden, that carried the burden of responsibility for those who were vulnerable and those who were in need. And then he says in verse 15, and often we quote this, and I will gl very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And, and you and I know as parents that that often the, the more we go out of our way sometimes to love and to care, sometimes we, we, we find there's no reciprocation of that. Sometimes we sort of go, well, I did all of this. I, I, I bore the burden. But you know what Paul was saying here was this. He was glad to spend and be spent even though there was no real return. He just saw it as his responsibility to the church to be spent up for the Lord's sake, but also for their sake. And, and there's, a great, there's a great responsibility. And, and here we see that in the background of our story, that the Lord Jesus, in, 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 in um, preserving uh, the word for us here, describes those who brought the children. He, he, he refers to them. And, and here we see the onus of responsibility really falls upon adults. To ensure the children are given a fighting chance to become all they can be. It wasn't that the children were, were there under their own power. Parents were there and adults were there. Perhaps even uh, loved ones bringing the children to the Lord. And so it takes adults to bring children. And, and really, firstly, there's a responsibility that parents have toward children. You know, as parents, we have the responsibility ultimately uh, to, to raise up the children that God has gifted us with. In Colossians 3.20, the Bible tells children, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But then the next verse says this, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. In, in God's design, even of His own nation, the nation of Israel, we see in the, the second reading of the law, look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, even the explicit instruction to the home, how it is that, that, that the, the responsibility 
wasn't born upon the children to bring them to even the knowledge of the law. It was given to parents. And look at chapter 6. Look at verses 6 to 9. Look at verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Then he says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them uh, for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine house, and on thy gates. And what he was saying, family, but particularly you, parents, you are to teach them these commands. Your house, your li- a livelihood, the, the time you spend together, the command is this, you are to teach them the words of God. The onus was on the, on the parents to, to give that. And the responsibility was given for parents in particular to raise up a children in the commandments of the Lord. We know these verses in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Ephesians 6, 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you're here this, uh, this morning, and you've had the privilege, and God has, has entrusted you with children, then guess what? That's a great privilege, but that comes with the great responsibility of nurturing them in the admonition of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that, that they'll be perfect. I'm not saying that they'll always make the right choices. But, but listen, when it comes to our responsibility, our responsibility is, is towards the children. We have, to, we have the, the onus and the burden of that falls on our shoulders as parents. And so we must note then that as adults, and particularly here as parents, the responsibility lies on our shoulders. And really there's a priority then that as Christian parents and Christian adults, that we must bring children to Christ. You see, there was that group there that's unnamed and undescribed that had come and their priority that day was they had, they had heard that Jesus was within walking distance and that they needed to bring their children to the Lord. And really, as part of our responsibility, there is a priority for us to bring children to Christ. You understand that the ultimate end of caring for children is really to secure their eternal destination and their godliness. When you follow down the track there of our responsibility, God's, God's telling us that, no, no, you're not just to produce successful children. You're to produce children who know Christ as their Savior and then also are godly like He is. And that's our, that's our, end, uh, that's our priority. See, uh, someone said this, children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. And listen, we understand how impressionable children are. We understand the great opposition that, that is in the world today, the, the things that they're being taught that are not right, that, that are erroneous, that are harmful for them. And, and yet in the, in the opposite spectrum to that, we have the priority and the responsibility to bring them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the only way 
they're going to avoid any wrong impressions about life. It's to bring them to Christ. This was Paul's attitude when he considered the Christians that he had worked with even in the church of Galatia in Galatians 4.19. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And much of what's going to happen this week is just a small investment in the hearts and lives of the children to form Christ in them. But so much more so as parents in our example at home, in our, in our example in, in, in ourselves, in our testimony, in our modeling of that, do we make an impression in the hearts of lives of our children that is to be Christ-like? And so the priority, the, the responsibility, the priority. See, the adults in the story here, they showed great urgency to bring their children to Jesus. And if you want blessing in your life, then lead them to Christ and show them Christ. If we want to see a home that's united, if we want to see a home where, where we see Christ, then we better seek Christ ourselves. And we should better show them Christ ourselves. We, we better not just pass on the buck, so to speak, and give it to the church, give it to someone else to model. No, it, that's our responsibility. That's our priority. Where to bring them. Where to take them. And we're going to see that, that in, in, in part of all of this, that, that obviously there's, God designed a, 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 a body of believers to help in that process. But the first onus is on us as parents and us as adults. And, and, and the adults in the story showed great urgency. But the reality was this. In those adults, there was a dependence that was there to fulfill, uh, needed to fulfill their responsibility. Of utmost importance was that they were there with the children, but they didn't have someone else bring them. They were there. They brought their children. They were also recipients of that. And, and there's a great blessing in seeing your children uh, fellowship with Christ. I, I remember growing up, I, I remember we grew up in a deacon's home. I think you guys, as a church, you know that. We grew up in a deacon's home. My, my dad, from very early on when the church was, uh, was formed, was, uh, was assigned the, the office of the deacon. And for many years, he's fulfilled that even while we were really young and growing up. But I remember uh, over the course of that, you know, my, my parents were faithful. They had served faithfully in, in the local church. They had followed Christ in the things that, 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 that God had revealed to them in the Word of God, in their example. But I remember there had to be a time where all of us had to make that decision to follow Christ. And I remember those days when, when particularly my two younger sisters, Joanne and Rena, finally got to that place where they knew Christ as their Savior. And then, you know, they grew up. They were, it was modeled for them. But, you know, it wasn't until they were teenagers that they truly, truly came to know the Lord. They pretended for a while. They went along for a while. But eventually, they realized. And I remember the day. I remember the day Rena came home. And it was after, it was a Saturday after our, uh, we had our, our first youth, uh, youth, uh, youth activity. It was there at Duneside Community Center. Uh, one of our young men, uh, Matthew Waycaster, I had asked him to, um, to preach that night. And he preached a, a tremendous message. And that night... After all those years, Rena thought she was saved, but she wasn't. 
And she came to know the Lord. And the next day, we all woke up. And for the first time, our whole family was whole in Christ. And I remember that feeling of sense of completion of, boy, we're all in this. But, you know, it took, it took years of faithfulness. It, it took years of reality in my parents' lives for that, to, for that decision to be born in her heart. And, and you know, there's a, there's a great joy. Recently, as I shared with you, church, um, you know, Vicky, Vicky uh, a couple of years ago, uh, her, her grandma led her to the Lord, and she, she got saved. And, and recently, we've just been talking to her about, about that, and there's just some, some real change and even fruit in her life. And then recently, she got baptized. But then recently also, my wife was able to talk to Malachi about his salvation. And he came to, to understand and to call upon Christ as his Savior. And isn't, isn't it, uh, isn't it uh, a wonderful thing? But, you know, it's even more greater to see them follow on. In, in 3 John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And the reality of what I'm saying is as parents and as, ad, as adults, we need Christ ourselves. If, if there's going to be a, a responsibility and a priority to bring them to Christ, there needs to be so also a, a real dependence and a reality in our own lives about the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you know, this, the, you can't speak of something that's, that's not real. The reality has to be there. We need to be, in this sense, childlike as well in our dependence upon our Savior. If we're going to, to parent well, if we're going to, and let me just say this, you know, I, 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 I've been pastoring for four years this September, but I'm going to tell you this. I, I feel like it's harder to parent. And you're all nodding because you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing that's more heartbreaking than being a parent whose child is misbehaving. There's, there's nothing more hard, but there's nothing harder than trying to invest internal things in a little child. But you know, to, in order to do that, can I just encourage you? We need Christ. We need His power. We need the reality of Him in our lives. You, you children's workers who, who, who want to make a difference in the life of a child, and, and, and I believe that you, you have the, the right heart and the right motive. Listen, if you're going to do that effectively, then the reality of Christ has to be in your life. You can't show what you don't know. And we see that exemplified, don't we, in the life of, of a character in the Bible named Timothy. We've been learning about him Sunday nights. But you understand in 2 Timothy, when, when Timothy was now later on an older pastor who was getting a little discouraged, Paul had to remind him of his unfeigned faith, the Bible says. But it dwelt first in those who his grandmother and his mother, Lois and Eunice. It dwelt first in them. And you know why it was a reality in, in much, uh, much of the, the fact that it was real in Timothy's life? It was because it was real in their life. And, and you know, the onus is on us. If we don't model that as adults, if we don't live by faith, how do we expect our, those that are following along, those little children, to live by faith themselves? How, how if, 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 if we say 
that the gospel is important, but we never are ones to present the gospel, and we never are ones to go and obey, and we never are the ones who, to do those things that we declare to be truth, how much can we expect that in the lives of the little children that we have? It's got to be real. It's got to be sincere, and, and that's our responsibility. And what I'm saying is it takes adults. It takes adults to bring children, but secondly, I want to say it takes churches to assist children to Jesus. See, the other characters there weren't simply the adults who brought them along, but they were the disciples. And at first, the disciples, like I said, were a bit hesitant. The disciples rebuked them, the Bible says. That's a strong word, isn't it? So it wasn't like, no, no, come back tomorrow. No, it was like, go away. Just leave him alone. It was strong. And so their attitude, listen, their attitude was like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, um, and, and here, and it's always the case, it pays to be like the master, not like the disciples. You see, his response, the Lord Jesus' response was this, suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me. He says, don't, don't. Don't stop them from coming to me. Let them come. L let me get with them. And, and the instruction wasn't merely to those who were seeking the children to be blessed. But here specifically, it was given to his followers to allow the children and, and yet assist the children to come to him. He's saying, suffer, little children. He's saying, allow them. Let them come. I, 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 I want them. And you know, sometimes... We live, in a, we, live in a, we live in a time where the church doesn't have a very good reputation with children. But, but we either just go with that trend and not be bothered with it, or, or we have the perspective and the passion of Jesus and have a real heart for those most vulnerable in society, children. And, and, and we need to be the kind of church, the kind of Jesus followers the kind of disciples that will follow the master. See, the disciples had the wrong mentality about children. They were a bother to them. They weren't worth the time. They weren't worth the energy. And if we're not careful, we can adopt that mentality. But we ought not to. We ought to be like the master. You know, one of the, one of the, uh, the, the men greatly used of the Lord over the years to, to reach children was a man named D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody, for a while, all he reached was the children on the streets. He just went out and he, he built, uh, through God's grace and God's enabling, this great Sunday school work. And it was one time where, where D.L. Moody went out soul winning, and, and he came back and reported on the fruits of the day. And, and they asked him, D.L., uh, how did you go today? And he said, well, I had two and a half people saved. And they figured, well, he must have had two adults and one child saved. And D.L. Uh, Moody said to them, no, no, no. I had two children and one adult saved. You see, the children still have their lives to live. But the adult has half his life to live. And, and sometimes we forget that, that if we look at the work of God and, and the, the perpetuation of that and the life of that, we forget that in that process, God built in that we have children that we must labor to win and labor to mature. 
And it takes churches, though, to assist children to Jesus. We need to view children as those that make up heaven. See, it's, it requires, doesn't it, childlike faith. And statistically, uh, more children are born again. It's said that, that the vast majority, some say even up to 80% of people saved did so prior to the age of 12. It's also true that children make up much of heaven. How, how many prior to, to uh, modern technology in the Western world perished before the age of accountability? Even David, he understood when that child died uh, as, as part of the judgment upon him and his sin with Bathsheba, even David understood after he had done fasting and, and God still uh, allowed that child to die in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, but now he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? And then notice this is David's response. He says, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And even then, David understood that, that prior to the knowledge of sin in this little one's life, he understood that they were going to a place called heaven. So even from a practical point of view, when Jesus said this, that of such is the kingdom of heaven, he meant literally. <laughs> he, he didn't just mean in childlike faith. And by the way, that is available to you and I today. Uh, salvation is, is available to you if you would just, if you would just uh, turn to the Lord and believe in Him in childlike faith in what He did on the cross of Calvary. And the Bible says, whosoever shall, called, be called, uh, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He gave you the power to become sons of God. He, he, he's, he can, you can be His child today. You can be born again. But it requires childlike faith. And so, so we, we note the preciousness of children to the Lord. And yet again, the disciples didn't share that passion. And I'm just saying we must not be like them, but like Christ. See, as Christ's followers, the church must view children with great privilege and responsibility. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. A, a heritage is something passed on. They're, they're to, be, uh, to be taken uh, care of and treasured as valuable. You see, it's our responsibility in Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. And so as a church, as Christ's followers, the church, the church must assist the home in bringing children to Christ. You see, the church and the home are to be complementary in raising up a child. Um, you know, someone says, there's a, there's a quote that, that people, people often say, it takes a village to raise a child. And just the other day, I was visiting with a couple of our folks, and they were saying some relatives of theirs who, who, uh, who are away from the Lord, they recently they had a naming ceremony in their community. And the whole idea was that, that this was a covenant between the, the, that family and the community, a secular community, like a, a council that that council will help in raising that child. And, and you know, you think about that, really that's, that's the, the church's part. And, and I want to submit to you that it doesn't take a village only. It actually it takes a, a church family to raise a family. You know, if you want to raise your children in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, then gather where the Lord is. Gather at church. That's why parents, listen, it's never a wasted investment on your part to take your child 
to the local church, to serve alongside them, to, to help them nurture their talents, to be used for the Lord. It's never a waste of, of anyone's time to, to, uh, to bring them along to Sunday school, to wake up that hour and a bit earlier, to bring them here, to be under the sound of the teaching of the Word of God. It's never a waste to bring them on a Wednesday evening when they have a, uh, when they have a, 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 a kid's church where again they're getting some, some teaching and preaching and, and some fellowship surrounded by the people of God. It's never a waste. And it, it, as Christ followers, the church is to assist the home in bringing children to Christ. In fact, Titus chapter 2 bears that out, doesn't it? Look at t- Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, he says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Uh, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. And verse 4, that they may teach the young women. And then he says in chapter, uh, verse 6, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And understand, this is in the context of the local church. He wasn't speaking to, to just families here. He was speaking to a, a pastor who was over a local church. And he's saying there to the church, the church, you aged men, you aged women, you don't just turn up. You're meant to pattern something for those who are young. You're meant to to show forth a a pattern of holiness, of soberness, of how it is that they're meant to live. And that's the church's responsibility. And and we're to assist in that. I think about about, um, uh, Hannah in the Old Testament, who who desired children, who, who desired a child from the Lord and and even to the point where he, she came to the temple and she was praying and the high priest thought she, that she was, she was uh, drunk because she was praying with such, with such passion, such, uh, uh, such, such affection, such emotion for a child. And yet at the end of that, God granted, and look at her attitude, 1 Samuel 1, 27-28, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. You know the story, Samuel. Samuel is given over to the, to the temple of God to work and labor there. And listen, you know, sometimes, sometimes we have our own ambitions for our children. And then when they get serious about God, we get a little afraid. We get a little bit, oh, but they're my child. They Listen, they are, but you're a steward. You know, there was, there was a time where my, my parents had to just be okay with their eldest doing what God called him to do. And it wasn't their ambition. They always wanted me to serve the Lord. But I'm sure they had other ambitions for me. I have ambitions for my children, but I know ultimately is this, they're gods. They're gods. They, they, are, to, they are to follow God. 
And what I'm saying is we are to work together in that, in raising up these children to the glory and honor of our Lord. And listen, the, 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 the disciples just had to be corrected about that. And as Christ followers, the church must realize the investment needed for children to grow to maturity. It takes some, it takes some effort. You know, I often think about this verse in Proverbs 14, 4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. You could almost uh, substitute where no children are, the house is clean. <laughs> My wife's like, come on, come on. <laughs> but, but, much increase is by the strength of the ox. And listen, you know those things that we, we, we must feed them? We must do all this for them, but much increase. There's strength in a church that has children. There's strength in a household that, that will worship the Lord together in the house of God together. And there's a need, church, for us to have that mentality that it takes much to invest in children to bring them to maturity. You know, I hope that the disciples got it. There's, there's much effort and toil and investment in working with children that often return what we put in sometimes. But they're worth it in the end when God gets a hold of their lives. And, you know, I think about later on a story in John chapter 6. And, you know, it's interesting that, that the only gospel that doesn't really contain this story is in John chapter 6. Uh, John, uh, it's in the book of John. But there's another story about a child there in John chapter 6, I believe, where the Bible says there's a lad here. And isn't it interesting there that, they, that this lad wasn't pushed away? I think it was Philip that said, there's a boy here who has loaves and fishes. And I'd like to think that maybe the disciples learned their lesson. <laughs> that children, God can use them. And God can bless them. And that they're part of the work. That they need to be part of what we do as a local church and what we do as families as we serve God together. I think of the household of Stephanus where, where they were addicted to the work of the ministry. And, and, and I love to think that, that we as families have that mentality that we'll just be there for the work of God together. That, that there's a reciprocal benefit there that, that as, we, as we labor together for the work of God, that He will labor for us in our families. And so we see that secondly, it takes churches, but really it takes passion. And it takes perspective to bring children to Jesus. See, the two groups that needed to come together were the parents and the disciples. If one didn't do their job, then the children don't get the blessing of Jesus. And so the parents, firstly, they needed to show passion. They needed to show that the followers, they needed to show the children, they needed to bring them to Jesus. They needed to show passion for the Savior but then the followers needed to have the perspective of Christ. They needed to be, to be corrected by Christ and say, look, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. And really what we see in the story was Christ showed them both. He had a passion for the children. He had the right perspective of the children. And we must have the passion of Jesus for children and adopt His perspective. Hey, parents, Adults, do you have a passion to see 
your children and other children come to Christ. You know, do, do you, as, as, as Brother Gear, you know, they, they've been laboring in this ministry for a long time. They have a perspe- they, they've got the perspective of Christ. But I wonder, like he, he mentioned, do we pass, how many children do we pass by every day? You know, one time I just, God brought this story up in my mind. One time I had, I was early on in my youth, youth ministry, I was still volunteering. And I remember I was driving, and, and Dad, you remember the story. I borrowed the red van. We used to have a red van. Okay, Brother Pidding, in the Philippines, eight, eight-seater, you had 20. Australia, eight-seater had 15. I'm just saying. But uh, don't, that, that was ages ago, so that was still okay. Um, but, but I remember one time I was heading back, heading to, to church, and I was running late. And there were kids playing on the street. And I, I, I turned, I, I turned, it was a roundabout, I turned, and you know what, these, these kids were playing on the street, they were being annoying. You know what I did? I yelled at them out the window. And here's, here's the lesson I learned. I didn't know it, but my phone had dialed our pastor then. And he heard me yell at those children. Let me tell you, I didn't have a welcoming smile when I got to church. <laughs> I had a rebuke coming. And my pastor at then, it was, it was Pastor Emilio, he told me, he goes, why didn't, you, why didn't you invite them to church instead of yelling at them and telling them how stupid they are? <laughs> and God taught me a lesson there. And he brought this verse. He said, suffer, little children. And sometimes we can just we can we can judge the world's children. Like, well, oh, look at them, well, bad parenting. <laughs> oh, look at them, look at look at how wild they are. When really they just need Christ. Where's our passion? Where's the perspective that we need to have that Christ that's Christ's perspective? The world needs Christ. Children need Christ. And you know, as a church. We need to be part of that. But as parents and as, as adults, we need to take the responsibility of that. And you know, this week, this week, some of you are going to be the beneficiaries. Um, let's, have, let's have all the kids stand up. Let's have all the kids. They've been waiting for this. I don't know if they knew. Let's have all the kids stand up. Let's have the teenagers stand up too. Let's have the teenagers stand up. They love, uh, the, the, the teenagers love it when I do this. Let's have the teenagers stand up as well. Let's have all of them stand. Why don't you guys come to the front here? Why don't you guys just have a seat here, girls and guys. Just have a seat here on the floor. Just, yeah, just, you know, make yourselves comfortable. All right. All right. Don't be shy. We're all friends. But we've got we've got children here. We've got young people. And I'm glad for you, all you adults, because because you know they didn't get here on their own. You guys know that, right? Like, who, anyone walk here? Really? Anyone? Okay, good. But they're they're here. Like these guys are here. These girls are here. 
but they're, they're all here under your care, under our care. And uh, guys, listen, listen. Listen, you guys are great. You guys are awesome. All right, we, uh, we're so... Oh. <laughs> but we, we love that you're here. We love it. Okay? We, we love that you're here. Um, we love that you, you get to come to church. We, get, we, we love the fact that we, we arrange different things for you guys through the year. But you know why we do it? Because we want you to see Christ. It's not, it's not about us. We, we're not your heroes. Um, honor your parents. Obey them. They, they love you guys enough that they brought you to church. Um, but we're glad you're here. But, you know, all of that this week, guys, who's, who's coming to Holiday Bible Club? Yes. Who's, who's, uh, who went to youth camp earlier this year? Who went to youth camp? All of that was for you guys. But all of that was so that you could see the Lord. You could know Him. We want to bring you to Christ. And so, listen, if you're not saved, we want you to get saved. We, we want you to know Jesus as your Savior. And then this, we want you to grow in Him. We, we want you to get to know Him. He's, Jesus is he's all you need. He's all you need. Um, some of you said that you don't have friends. He'll be your friend. Some of you are struggling. He, he, he'll be there. He's, he's been there for us. But just so you know, okay, we're doing this week. You're going to have fun. Sorry I'm crying, but we're, you're going to have so much fun this week. Brother Gear guaranteed it or no money back, okay? <laughs> That's why I brought him in, all right? Just <laughs> but, but you're also going to learn so much about you're going to learn so much about Jesus. And that's what's most important. And so, hey kids, listen, we're going to be praying for you guys. We do. But we're going to continue to pray. But we're going to promise you that, that we're going to try all we can. We're just going to try all we can to live for God. I, I used to sit where you sit, Adam, just there. But I was, you're better behaved than me. But, um, you know, I, I used to sit there and, you know, I used to just listen. And and I was, where were you? I was 12, guys. I know, like, you know, I'm 36 now. But um, I was 12 when, I, when the church first formed. Um, I don't know what God's going to do in your lives. But I know he's going to do something great if you follow him. Um, you know what I pray? I pray that one of our guys who sit here and, and, you know, sometimes he's goofy, sometimes we don't even know if he's awake, all right? I, I pray that you guys are the ones that one day will pastor this church if the Lord tarries. I just pray that. I, I pray that all of you ladies, you, you marry well, okay, in the church. Just saying, just saying. I pray that. But but I want you guys to just do 
we're doing this for, for you. We're doing, we're doing all of these things so that you can know the Lord more. All right, so can you guys pray with us this week? Don't just attend. Can you pray and say, Lord, help us. Help us to see you. Help us to know you more. And, and that's all we want, okay? And there's, there's more teenagers. They're shy and so forth. They don't want to sit up here. But we've got lots of, I'm thankful. We've also got young adults. You know, really, when you consider youth these days, it's anyone that's under 30. So, you know, if you're under 30, welcome, all right? But um, we have a privilege, church. We have responsibility. And uh, let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand. You guys, just remain seated, okay? Let's all stand to our feet. Um, we're going to have an invitation. Um, hey, parents, if you have a child up here, you can come and collect them and come and pray with them. If you don't have children here, there are children here you can pray for. And so the piano is going to play. Why don't, kids, why don't you start by you guys praying? Okay, and just asking the Lord, help us. Help us to live for you. Help us to know you, if um, know you more. Okay, so why don't you start, kids? You, you, had, you bow your heads and pray. Why don't you pray with your friends even and, and just, just take some time together. You've got some friends here, right? Why don't you just take some time to pray? And then parents, listen. If your children are, are up here, come and collect them. Come and just pray with them just right now. Why don't you just come right now as a piano plays. I've got my kids here. I'm already up here. But if it's, you've got children here, why don't you come? Why don't you just pray with your kids? Why don't you just collect them? Why don't you just uh, seek the Lord for them? There's plenty of room up here. And then some of you who don't have, and then you have, you've got your own. Maybe you've got uh, relatives here. Maybe you've got friends here. Why don't, you, why don't you just bow there at your seat, and why don't you just pray for these ones? You know, there's some of you, some of you who will maybe be parents soon. Some of you, maybe you will be parents one day. Some of you are going to be grandparents for the first time this year. Some of you will be, you have children that you minister to throughout the week. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you have, you have children in your neighborhood. Why don't you pray for them? Maybe some of you have, have no children who are lost. They need Christ. Why don't you come and just, why don't you pray and, and just seek the Lord here this morning as we, as we gather together. Lord, children are in heritage of the Lord. And we're so glad. We're so thankful. Why don't we just commit some time to the Lord? Pray for Holiday Bible Club. Pray for that and, and ask the Lord to bless that. And don't forget to collect your kids, okay? Some are in the nursery. Some are still growing. Take your time this morning.